0: Welcome into the KSO show. I am Mason Voth. What you are about to hear are two of our quick YouTube shows that we did on Thursday, December 7th, because there's a lot to break down and it's different topics, but very serious at K State. So if you want to watch the show, go to the K State Online YouTube page and you can watch both of them there in their individual packages. But for you audio listeners, that are on the go, at work, wherever, that are down for the podcast. Wanted to make sure that you had the ability to listen to these wherever and whenever as well. So coming up next, you will get our thoughts on the Naquan Tomlin situation, what has gone on behind the scenes there, and what to expect that comes next. Then after that, conversation about the confidence in Avery Johnson remaining at K-State. In the aftermath of Colin Klein leaving for the Texas A&M job, and where the hunt for a replacement on the quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator side kind of lies at this point in time. So, without further ado, here is myself and Derek Young from K State Online. Welcome into K State Online. I am Mason Both, joined by Derek Young, as we get ready for uh, another tough day in in Wildcat Land. We, we thought yesterday was a little bit tough. You wake up on a Wednesday after a big win against Villanova. No time to celebrate because your offensive coordinator, one of the best players in K-State football history, is leaving you for Texas A&M. So Colin Klein is gone and a a mad dash has begun. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Like, you lose this talented offensive coordinator. He is our guy. What happens with Avery Johnson? People were already in meltdown mode. And then things somehow found a way to get worse as the day wore on. Uh, The – Noise around the Naquan Tomlin situation had started to rise considerably Tuesday, and it you know kind of hit a peak on Tuesday night when there were We Want Naquan chants during the Villanova game and everything else that went on with it, social media-wise and behind the scenes. There was even a protest on campus yesterday in front of the president's residence trying to free Naquan uh, that Naquan Tomlin himself even showed up to. Uh, I saw that video from the K-State Collegian. That I mean, that's just an all-time move right there, yeah, by (laughs) Naquan Tomlin, and it all resulted in a statement being sent out last night at 6:40 p.m. from (laughs) Gene Taylor, Gene Taylor, and uh, that was in air quotes for those of you not watching on the YouTube, and it essentially resulted in. Naquan Tomlin being dismissed from the basketball team. The official language in it was, while we cannot share the specifics that have led to this outcome due to the reasons stated above, K-State Athletics can now share that Naquan Tomlin will no longer be able to continue with the K-State men's basketball team. This decision was not made lightly by me, but it is the decision warranted by the circumstances that brought it to bear. So K-State will not get Naquan Tomlin back at all this season. And There's obviously a basketball element to this to discuss, but where a lot of people are trying to connect the dots and mend some confusion comes from how did we get to this point where Naquan Tomlin, who had been indefinitely suspended since the start of the season, and it seemed like would come back at some point, was doing things to come back is no longer a part of the team. What changed where Tuesday night he is in the crowd with the team celebrating after the win over Villanova, looking like he's having an awesome time and still a very engaged member of K-State's basketball team despite not being on the floor to less than 24 hours later, a statement is released saying he's gone from the team.
1: Yeah, it was just a final decision made by the university president. Um, It seemed like though he was disagreed with but by anyone that I know, whether they're in the community, the fan base, the basketball program, the athletic department, the university. Uh, you won't find too many people that supported this decision. <laughs> and and it's, some of those people are also privy to all of the information that the president had. So it is interesting how he came to that conclusion when no one else really did that also knew the information that he had. You know, how it came to be where where it's one thing and on Tuesday night and it's the next thing today is it was a decision made by the university president. Now, it is interesting that the university president makes this decision when everyone that I've spoken to or exchanged Discourse with whether they're in the community, the fan base, the basketball program, the university, the athletic department didn't seem to have the same conclusion that he had. They thought that I didn't really speak to a lot of people that would have came to the same outcome that he did. And some of those people, not really me, I don't I'm not subject or privy to the same information that they had. But some of the people that did have the same information as president Linton did not come to the same conclusion. So, you know, some people say, well, it doesn't make sense that he's doing this one man crusade. He might not be, but even if he's not, there were not a lot of people in his corner when he made this decision that also had the same information that he did. Whether in the university basketball program or athletic department, Uh, the worst part is, as we've just, you know, I've just discussed the last couple of minutes, it was a university president decision. But when the release was sent out on Wednesday night, sure didn't look like it, sure looked like a guy hiding behind Gene Taylor.
0: Yep. And I I think this is one of those deals where. Maybe there are other people that are in support of President Linton's decision. I would imagine there are. I don't think you're. I don't think as a university president, you you make this decision on your own. You probably have people that you talk to and that you trust. They could be inside, you know, his his university office, or they could be outside, but people he trusts, and and maybe they are telling him, "Hey, you you don't want to touch this. Like, get away from it." But regardless of what that situation is in the people that i would consider peers in terms of their pecking order and what they mean in the leadership positions at k state he's on an island here if gene taylor is not in support of it and jerome tang is not because i mean honestly the two guys that that wield i mean we can act like in in, in this situation that university presidents they they are the highest member of of a school But at the end of the day, we all know how how major schools work now. I mean, yes, President Linton has the overall say at K-State. He is the president. But the people that really matter in terms of school with power, it's typically the AD, the basketball coach, and the football coach. And I don't think there are two guys with a higher approval rating at K-State right now than Jerome Tang and Gene Taylor. And so to be on an island there, that sets up some confusion from people and, like, you know, as as I kind of said yesterday, I look at it like this. If you feel so strongly that Naquan Tomlin should not be a member of the basketball team, then he shouldn't he shouldn't be a student at K State anymore. But you know what Richard Linton hasn't done, and the academic side hasn't done is kick Naquan Tomlin out of school because that would open up a whole can of worms that they don't want to touch. But they can do the public-facing thing and kick him off the basketball team and keep him from playing there. I think it's just a really tough situation, and the transparency is lacking, and that also plays into the fact that, like what we're talking about, it doesn't seem like this was Gene Taylor's decision or conclusion, yet the statement that comes out saying Naquan Tomlin can't continue on the basketball team is attributed to Gene Taylor. He's having to to kind of bite some bullets here – for, for the president. And that's the same thing that Jerome Tang's been asked to do for the last month now. He gets trotted out there every press conference, and he gets asked, hey, what's the update on Naquan Tomlin? What's the situation there? And he has to say, no changes, no changes, no changes. And now there have been changes, but the, the release that was sent out was this will be the only matter that K-State has, or only comment on this matter that K-State has. It's just everybody has had to take – responsibility or be the person that, that takes the heat except for what appears to be the guy that made the decision or was the driving factor behind the decision in president Linton?
1: Absolutely. I mean, like I said, even if you, we can disagree with the outcome, but if we don't have all the information necessary or, or whatever, we can't really judge the outcome too much. Um, we can just say that, you know, the, the, large majority of the people that had all the information necessary didn't think that he should be removed. And we, but we can also say the process and the conduct of the person in charge of making this decision was embarrassing to be quite honest. I mean, it'd be like me if K-State online made a controversial decision on how they wanted to carry out something. And obviously, that's a decision that I make. And people just start blasting it, and I'd be like, Mason, go say it's your fault.
0: <laughs> me and Drew, right? We're like just eating. Yeah, Mason, yeah.
1: Mason, and I was Mason and Drew. Go tell the people why we did it, and say it was because you wanted it and not me. Um, my hands are clean, even though I was the one that did it. Like that's, you know, that's the opposite of what a great leader is. So if you have the opposite of a great leader of your university, you should probably feel very uneasy uh, moving forward. Because if he's going to conduct himself this way, where he's going to make an unpopular singular decision and then force Gene Taylor to say it was his decision, that's a terrible leader. So I don't know. I think that's a scary situation moving forward um, when you have a leader – or a president willing to do that. I, I don't, I mean, again, I'm not even like scathing the outcome here. I'm scathing the conduct and behavior of the president and how he reached this conclusion yeah. and then how he threw it out to the general public.
0: Yeah, there, there, there's a scenario here where maybe maybe Richard Linton is right. You know, again, we, we don't have all the the details or it's at least foggy for people you're trying to piece together a bunch of what this guy heard and that guy heard to understand what actually happened with the Naquan Tomlin situation in Aggieville. Nobody has enough concrete details to to say one way or the other. They know what happened, and they firmly know what the actual outcome should be. But the one thing that we do know is that even if this is the right result, it's, the ba- it's a bad process of getting there. And it looks even worse when you have a lot of people – in support of the reinstatement of Naquan Tomlin and one guy's digging his heels in and can't do anything. And I mean, to what you're talking about the leadership side of things, number one, a good leader, they, they take the heat for everything. Like that's what a leader does. Think of a quarterback after a football game, Will Howard had to go up there a lot of times after games where it wasn't just his fault and accept that it was his fault. And yeah, that's what a leader is supposed to do here. And it's the total opposite where the decision you're actually making, you're deferring to the people that are working for you in Gene Taylor and Jerome Tang and whoever else. And the other thing that I'll say on this is people may act like, well, you know, it's just sports, whatever, you know, he's doing fine here. Up to this point, Richard Litton had been pretty well approved by people I think in the community because of, you know, the, 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 insight and the support that he had for athletics. It seemed to be on a greater level than what uh, Kirk Schultz and then president Richard Myers had at different points, but the quickest way to sour your fan base and more importantly, your alumni base and the people that have money is to make an unpopular decision like this in athletics that go against what your athletic director and your head basketball coach that has unified this school like nobody else ever has and is, become a bigger deal for this school than anybody since Bill Snyder. And to go against that, you're going to sour a lot of people. You're going to break their trust. You're probably going to break in a bad way, the checks that keep coming into you from the people that have money. Certainly this alum does not have the money to donate to K-State right now. uh, But the people that do, I guarantee you they're questioning their decisions right now and this is not just a basketball one and done situation. If Richard Linton thinks it, this is a headache that he is going to have to deal with for a long time. And at some point he's going to have to address this because at the very least, even if we are all totally way off the mark here and I don't think that we are, but say we are, we're off the mark in putting the blame on Richard Linton. And really maybe Gene Taylor and Jerome Tang did have a change of opinion. I doubt it, but maybe they did then he at the very least is going to have to say something at some point to be like, Hey, look, here's the deal. He has to set the record straight, or he has to kind of wear it for his guys. And the other, the the final thing that I'll add in this little segmentation right here is that, you know, the reason why this is such a big deal to people and and everything else is because they want their school to be represented in a positive way. And the, the easiest way that that happens is with athletics. And, So when K-State goes to the Elite Eight and Jerome Tang is going viral after every win and and there's a lot of positive buzz about K-State basketball, the alumni base loves that because they love K-State. They love Manhattan and everything that it provided to them. It's not that people just straight up love K-State basketball and football. They love everything about K-State. And when you go in and make decisions like this and you have operation that isn't very clear cut to people, it's going to sour them, especially when the result, is putting Jerome Tang in a terrible situation and putting him on a side that, I mean, this could go down a scary path in terms of K-State retaining Jerome Tang. That's been the indication throughout this process is you strain a relationship like this, you don't know what can happen, especially with the way that money gets tossed around in college sports now and how eager programs are to get the quick fix and get the right guy in there. Jerome Tang's a hot commodity. And if you don't treat him the right way, especially in a situation where it seems like this isn't Jerome Tang just stepping out on his own and being like, I want a really good basketball player to come back to play for me. I think we know Jerome Tang's character is better than that. Jerome Tang wants Naquan Tomlin back on the team because he feels like he's paid his dues, he's done what's asked of him, and he trusts that he's not a bad guy. And I think at the end of the day, you don't want to mess up that relationship, but it's where it seems to be headed.
1: Yeah, a good leader takes the heat when things go wrong and gives the credit to the people under him when things go right. Like you said, uh, President Linton did the opposite of that in this this instance. When it comes to the Jerome Tang thing, look, there's no absolutes in life. Um, This doesn't guarantee anything one way or the other. So I don't think people need to get too meltdowning over that particular angle but it is fair to acknowledge that and I've spoken and interacted and exchanged dialogue with hundreds, thousands of coaches, college coaches and the one thing that they seek when they are go- pursuing jobs obviously one is compensation, fair compensation two is a situation where you have a hundred percent support from the administration um, and your bosses and you're all rowing and steering in the same direction that's what guys that's what coaches seek when pursuing jobs that's what Jerome tank thought he had now he's going to question that part of it so when you don't have all your ducks in a row now and Kansas State doesn't then you leave yourself potentially vulnerable to a problematic situation. and that's something that they're going to have to bear. Now, if the nuclear n- if the negative nuclear result does happen, um, not saying that it will, I uh, that will make the approval rating of of one Richard Linton even worse. And because of the the affection and passion, and pride and love that people all over Kansas State have for Jerome Tang. um, uh, Richard Linton would probably be in a very peculiar situation if that were to unfold. Now, what I will say is, and this is part of why it makes it a shame, in all my years covering the sport, not just basketball, football, you know, covering college sports, I've never seen one coach Invest so much of his time and energy, and to not only his basketball program but everything connected to it, like Jerome Tang going to fraternity house after fraternity house, um all of these, you know, just functions within the university. Anytime a student texts or calls him um for help, you know, he's done that. He helped someone get gas because they texted him because they had no one else to kind of go to. So. uh you have, that's the kind of guy that we're talking about here. I mean, I remember he came back from the Elite Eight, and he's in the airport terminal. He's the last guy to leave when the entire terminal is full of Kansas State fans greeting them after losing to Florida Atlantic. He was the last guy to leave because he signed every single autograph. Um, he's giving everything he's got for Kansas State to win and be the program that they've always believed that they should be and now this happens it definitely probably feels like for him that he's giving more than he's getting back and no coach really wants to stay in a situation where they think the powers that be within their own university are fighting against them so you know between now and when those decisions have to happen if they happen um, there has to be some kind of real positive movement but it just feels like that's a situation that's going to be hard to navigate. You hope it's not the hurdle that it could be. And that's really all they got, hope. Because, you know, I I, I look at it this way, at least the outcome, the decision notwithstanding, just by the way that he managed it, President Linton created a huge problem that was very avoidable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think... The the easiest way to sum this up, the reason why there's so much divisiveness right now, and really it's not like an even split, but it's, it's basically everybody against Richard Linton at this point, is because you feel like the way you got the result was poor and not well communicated and not handled in an appropriate manner. Because ultimately, if you were going to say Naquan Tomlin can't be on the basketball team anymore, probably should have done it after the incident took place. What changed from... The point that, that that Naquan Tomlin got arrested in Aggieville to now. Because if anything, the circumstances around that arrest have gotten better since then, in terms of the fact that, okay, he he only ended up with a diversion. He's going through the process of completing that. The the charges were not to, you know, an extreme level of any kind. Like and he had not been on the bench with the basketball team. He had not been with them for certain activities. And two weeks ago he returned to those activities that it was the central Arkansas game the day before Thanksgiving. He's on the bench with the team. He was celebrating with them last night against Villanova. And so the fact that it got to this point, it's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense in this situation. No. And, and like I've said, you know, multiple times, but this is, this is the way I view it. If you feel like Naquan Tomlin can't be on your basketball team and represent you there, then step up and put your name on it and don't let him be on the academic side either. If you're Richard Linton.
1: But step step up and put your name on it, and don't make Gene Taylor fall on the sword as well. But
0: Naquan Tomlin is still a student at Kansas State, and the expectation is that Naquan's going to graduate this month.
1: Guess and guess what that means? And this is probably the final detail to cover. Naquan Tomlin can enter the transfer portal and play for somebody else starting next semester, which would be in January.
0: Yep, and And there is obviously,
1: and that could be a Big Twelve opponent. I mean, it's it's not impossible that Kansas State has to face Naquan Tomlin next month. That's how avoidable this entire thing has. Now, maybe he goes and instead pursues a professional career already. I don't know, but um, it's unfortunate uh, the way that this unfolded. And the outcome notwithstanding, again, I keep saying that because I don't know that I can say, you know, whatever. The outcome notwithstanding, it's just poor how it was handled.
0: Yep. The uh, the process was bad. No matter what, the result ends up being good or bad.
1: Or at and, least be transparent enough to where you're on the same page with your basketball
0: coach. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And and just you know, again, the be able to come out and community. say that. Hey, look, uh, the we're we're not unified on this. But for what I think is the betterment of the university or whatever, uh, even if you like, people still wouldn't be happy, and it probably still wouldn't suffice. But the lack of anything. From Richard Linton right now, when the protest was in front of his house yesterday on campus, it wasn't, you know, in front of Bramlage or the Ice Center. It wasn't in front of Gene Taylor's office. No, it, it was in front of the president's house. And at some point, Richard Linton needs to speak on this issue. Don't defer to an email sent out at 6:40 on Wednesday night, attributing President something to Gene Taylor.
1: President went till Friday. Yeah. Um, uh, Probably real, didn't want
0: to uh, have to deal with Naquan Being in Baton Rouge with the team And, and coming back
1: Yeah, maybe uh, Last thing I'll say on this Because I'll try to end it with a positive note um, Or maybe a hope A hopeful note Is that this entire situation and, and and though obviously it wasn't enough To change the outcome This entire situation At least can show to Jerome Tang how much literally everybody else is willing to galvanize around him.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, I think you're going to get a ton of support for Jerome Tang and the basketball staff and everything else. And uh, you're going to hope as a K-Stater that it's enough to to make even a, a strained relationship possibly between Tang and, and the president uh, something that Tang can overcome at least to, to stick around K-State and see what happens from here. Um, and we know what K-State looks like without Naquan Tomlin on the floor. And now we can, we can stop talking in the what ifs or, you know, when Naquan comes back, this is what you get. What K-State is right now is close to the finished product in terms of what we'll see on the court. Quez Glover will still come along. He'll add some guard depth, but you're going to be riding with a lot of minutes from David, David Gasson and Will McNair, uh, out there because you're not getting a guy back. So. Uh, tough situation for K-State basketball and really K-State as a whole, no matter whatever uh, angle you're looking at it from. And now we just kind of wait and see uh, what the continued fallout ends up being. And Jerome Tang probably won't speak again until after the game Saturday afternoon in Baton Rouge. DY will be down there. I'm sure it will be uh, an interesting conversation that goes on down there. And but honestly, don't expect much from Jerome Tang because, as the statement said that came out, like uh, this will be the only comment that will be issued from Kansas State University and K-State Athletics. So Jerome Tang would basically have to go rogue. Now, I wouldn't rule that out if he's he's that uh, displeased with the decision that has come about. But uh, knowing his character and how he responds, I, I think that he'll probably just you know handle it in a, in a much classier manner than uh, what somebody. <laughs> Uh, above him has decided to do with the circumstance
1: two things and one will lead into another show that we will have for you all there's two people right now in the Kansas State sphere that have a chance to really cement their hero status going forward one is Jerome Tang obviously if yeah. if he says despite the trash that I just had to deal with with this whole thing and how I was treated despite everything that I've given to the university in spite of this president, I'm still going to keep, you know, hammering away at building a championship program at Kansas State. If so, if he stays through it all and despite that, I mean, he cements his hero status in Kansas State history. Avery Johnson can do the same thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 up to them and uh, we'll see how it plays out. It'll be a fascinating situation and uh, a lot more on that. Full coverage over on K-State Online. Just head over to On3. That's where you find it. Get signed up if you're not and uh, you can become a member of a pretty good K-State community that have had a lot of different conversations and angles to talk about with K-State Athletics the last two days. I'm sure that will continue and uh, plenty of coverage for myself, Derek, and then Drew as well as uh, we go through a, a an interesting time with K-State sports. This could be a week that makes or breaks K-State Athletics for years to come and that is not an overstatement, uh, at least the way that I feel about it. So, that will do it for us. For Derek Young, I'm Mason Vaux. Thank you for watching and listening to K-State Online. And we continue an offense watch at K-State, Whatever you want it yeah. to be. There's a lot of questions going on there. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Is Avery Johnson going to stay, or is he going oh. to go after the Colin Klein stuff? Everything is in disarray right now uh, in terms of how it looks publicly with K-State football. But it seems like things might be starting to calm down a little bit, and there is some, some clearly defined outcomes or, you know, paths to get to outcomes on the horizon
1: yeah but by the way I, w- I wanted to start off with this because I kind of I think I tweeted this out yesterday and I've also had the conversation in person with some other people has there ever been a time where you have two stories of this magnitude unfolding simultaneously because you got to think not just what we're about to t- talk about with Colin Klein's exit from Kansas State but obviously how Nick Tomlin was just dismissed from the team and the public spectacle that that became in the hours leading up to it.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, this truly is a situation where, like, K-State athletics for years to come could be, like, made or broken for what this week is at at K-State with, you know, the basketball situation, if it – leads to some more negative outcomes down the, the long run and you, you'll we'll lose Jerome Tang in worst case scenario. That's not great. And then obviously everybody, you know, it sucks to lose Colin Klein in this situation, but you don't want to get the double whammy and just completely fall out if you lose Avery Johnson. It's like when you're you're in school and, you know, you get a really bad grade on a test, but it's like, hey, you just got to go out and get like a 60 on the final. Like that that's fine. So you've had the you've had the bad grade already with Colin Klein leaving. Now it's just don't go out there and flunk the final, and, and you'll be fine. Just hit that benchmark, and you're good. Of keeping Avery Johnson and everything, uh, yep. kind of stays in order there. So I guess let let's start with this. I mean, Avery Johnson is probably the the number one thing on people's minds. Uh, what is the the impact, and where are things looking right now for Avery Johnson in Kansas State?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of like moving parts here, right? With the the transfer portal is open, so your players can enter it, and you still have to recruit it to backfill and you know supplement the the, the missing pieces of your own roster. Hard to do that without an offensive coordinator. So then you go to the offensive coordinator. I, I don't know if there's a, necessarily a decision that has been made yet. So uh, I hear one thing, I hear another. So I think there's still some inconsistency. So I I think they're still trying to reach that conclusion. It feels like of what they want that to look like. You have to get a quarterback coach, even if you do hire an offensive coordinator that isn't a quarterbacks coach, right? So that's part of the process. And none of that seems clear. There's no – regardless of who you talk to from source to source to source, you, you kind of get different answers as to what the plan might be. Um, obviously, Chris Clement is what the plan is. Uh, Maybe not many other people do, and that's why you're getting these inconsistent answers. So it'll be interesting how that unfolds. Why I let off with all of that when speaking about Avery Johnson is the only consistent message I have gotten about what's going to happen after Colin Klein has already been announced as the new offensive coordinator at Texas A&M is that Avery Johnson wants to stay. So I think – If I'm confident about anything, and obviously even being confident about this, it can still change in two hours. College football, college athletics is nothing if not volatile right now because of NIL, transfer portal, all the the dramas that are associated with the sport now don't really make for 100% certainties. But the only thing that people seem to agree on at this point is that Avery, Avery Johnson intends to stay at Kansas State
0: well that's that's music to a lot of people's ears out there and i you know the number one thing is here we knew that the decision that would be made ultimately it, it's going to result in either an offensive coordinator or, or a quarterback's coach that Avery Johnson likes and trusts and feels good about what he can do to keep, continue to develop him and get him to the next level i mean that's the goal when you're a talent the level of Avery Johnson you want somebody that can get you to a higher level. And obviously he thought that Colin Klein could do that. A lot of belief there. And we know that that's going to be the path that K-State goes with one of the coaching decisions. Now, the big one that is then out there is what does K-State do as they look for an offensive coordinator? And, and what is some of the, the early consensus on, I mean, I know that you, you threw out a couple names yesterday that maybe, you, you know, that was still even, we didn't even know who they had looked at. It was just, this could be an option. Where do things stand for K-State right now? And, you know, also you've got bowl practices and a bowl game to play in exactly three weeks from today uh, to to decide who's going to call plays in that game.
1: I think that Connor Riley is a candidate that they are seriously looking at. I don't know enough to say that he will be the guy, and I believe others are being looked at as well. We do have some of that information on the message board at K-State Online, so I think there's external candidates being examined. I think Connor Riley is being examined, and because he is the internal candidate that's getting that opportunity, I imagine that he's at least going to be the interim offensive coordinator for the bowl game. That would be my guess. and Maybe it's a scenario where you say, this is your trial run, much like what you do with Colt Line in the Texas Bowl against a, depl- a depleted LSU team. So, I think if I was going to handicap it, that's what I would say. Connor Riley is going to get a shot, or is at least being um, considered, and that the bowl game <laughs> bowl game could be his interview.
0: Yeah, well, and and so Connor Riley is the the internal option that would be out there. I mean, Connor Riley, offensive line coach since Chris Kleiman got here, has been a good recruiter for the Wildcats, has done some good things for him. We're not saying that he will be or won't be, but where would your confidence lie if Connor Riley was the next offensive coordinator at K-State?
1: I would just say it's not – I don't know because I'm not going to judge the man and say he's going to be a bad offensive coordinator before he's ever an offensive coordinator. That's not fair. I would just say it's not really a sexy hire.
0: Yeah. I I'm I'm with you look I I think Connor Riley is a a good coach a a good guy but I just you know I think people have a little bit of concern when an offensive line coach moves in that spot you want a guy like it made sense that Colin Klein was your offensive coordinator he he was a quarterback he commanded an offense like he totally gets it and Connor Riley obviously understands football to a certain Mm -hmm. extent it's just does he have the field? Does he have what you're looking for? And that's something that he can go out and prove. And look, we, we don't know one way or the other if he does or doesn't have it. Uh, and and that will kind of be a fun thing to see, I guess, play out uh, if he gets the opportunity in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So we'll see how it uh, goes down there in K-State, obviously, searching for the OC and then a quarterback's coach uh, to, to at least make it a situation where, You Number one, don't lose Avery Johnson, but also you hang on to other guys because one of the things that Colin Klein had done over the last two years for K-State was make this an offense more attractive to playmakers at the position of wide receiver and some of the other spots on the field. Is there any concern about keeping other players right now for K-State on offense with the departure of Colin Klein, or is that maybe more tied to what Avery Johnson's decision ends up being?
1: I would, I would assume it's probably tied to their own position coaches uh, as well, um, is something to consider. Uh, my – I don't know this, but my speculation, my assumptions, based on how these things tend to work, is that if you can keep Avery Johnson, I'm sure he, that you can use that for you. You, could, you have him working for you then at that point to kind of help uh, galvanize the rest of the roster, or at least on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I don't know, but you would think that Avery Johnson kind of does a lot of the work for you.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But as of now, it seems like everything's in a decent spot for K-State and like you you let off with saying that you know you feel like Avery Johnson's preference would be to stay at K-State and it's it's not wrong of him to want to make sure that they get a the right person in here to help give him the best opportunity because it's not just about what he can accomplish at K-State in terms of like obviously NIL is a big opportunity for him here being the local guy staying close to home the ultimate goal here still for Avery Johnson is to get coached up and put in a position to succeed to where the next level is a, a realistic opportunity, and he can max out his value there. And at the end of the day, football has to come first in that decision. you got to make sure that it's going to work out for you. The one thing throughout this entire process that I, I have been confident in and will continue to be confident in is that Chris Kleiman and this staff will do everything they can to make sure that happens. But like you said, college football, it changes minute to minute and you can feel good about what you have lined up, and then next thing you know, oh, this guy's been taken elsewhere or that's not going to happen because of you know X, Y, and Z. I'm sure Notre Dame last year felt like, okay, Colin Klein, we got our guy. This is awesome. No way that this doesn't you know go our way. And then it's like, oh, no, he's staying at K-State. You're going to have to figure that out and deal with it. Um, I think about Chris Kleinman's first year, totally different scenario, but he, he hired a defensive coordinator that was only here like two weeks and then went and you know joined the Bears staff. And so then he had to go back to Scotty Hazleton, who I think was the preference before they even hired Ted Monachino. Uh, so it can be a, a fickle thing, but right now it does seem like football is calming the waters a lot better than uh, what the basketball situation is right now at K-State.
1: Yeah, I would agree. My My only – I don't say hesitation, concern, worry. I don't know if those are the right words, but things to – you know, take into account here is how do you recruit the transfer portal without a permanent or locked in offensive coordinator? Like if you were going to make this a trial run for Connor Riley in this day and age when the transfer portal is open, um, can you afford to do that? Like I need to confirm this, but we talked about the visit. They have some visitors from the transfer portal that were slated to come in this weekend and the following one. Now, as long as their position coaches around, maybe there's not necessarily much of a conversation that has to happen. But I just wonder how that works. If those are still valid, they probably are. I haven't heard otherwise. But – and then you got to think, how quickly do you say, this guy is our quarterback coach? Because you kind of have a quarterback depth problem right now because <laughs> the only two on your roster – are avery johnson and then jacob knuth who they're hopeful gets a waiver to be able to play in the bowl game but those are the only two going into next year besides the guy that's committed right now who's no commenting because he doesn't know his quarterback coach is going to be yeah it's the
0: there are still some things to get sorted out and this is i mean this is where it's a tough time of the year for Obviously, the coaching changes have to take place now. Seasons have ended for teams, and you want to be set up for next year, and you you have to have these guys in position to recruit, keep high school classes together, work the transfer portal. But on the other side of that, it's also terrible because teams are left without coaches this time of the year, and they're having to scramble to find guys. So uh, this is probably more a, a, an NCAA calendar problem in terms of how you work this out, but I really don't know the best way to do it because – you know, these guys want to get to work. They want to be able to to put things in place moving forward. So it's going to be uh, an interesting time, but it seems like K State football is doing the best they can with it right now. And I think they're in position to provide a pretty positive outcome given what is a not so fun situation in losing Colin Klein.
1: They're making the most out of the very little they have, or at least trying to. But there are some there there are some hurdles that are going to be difficult to navigate. Not saying they won't, but you know, going through this time right now without an coordinator, you know, having the quarterback stuff go on when when do you need your quarterback? I, yeah. There's still there's still some needles to really thread right now that they probably will thread. Uh, The timing of how all of this is going to unfold is interesting um, because I also think there there's some things that are going to happen, like maybe with the transfer portal probably isn't over. So Mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts, though.
0: Yep, a lot to uh, get into, and you can follow along with everything with K-State Online can follow us there on Twitter. You can also be sure to continue to stay locked into the YouTube page where you're watching this right now. Also, the podcast platforms and the number one spot to go for K-State information and conversation is KStateOnline.com. So just head over to On3. You can find us there. Obviously, if you're already a part of K-State Online, that's a great deal. You know what we're talking about. And if you're not, it's a good time to get fired up there because uh, I think just what last week or two weeks ago we we're talking about like, oh, you know, K-State's not really involved in silly season. They're, you know, they're they're losing some guys to the portal, but everything else is fine. No. Uh yeah. it has been cranked up to the yeah. back right now that, that, with that, that, basketball that, and football.
1: <laughs> that's a good call. We're like, uh, we're doing the silly season sale, which there was going to be some silliness too with the transfer mm-hmm. portal because that was always gonna happen. But like we're K State's probably gonna be one of the lesser silly or teams. Now, I'm not so sure Kansas State's the most silliest.
0: Yeah, it's certainly, uh, out of all the schools in America, the K-State Athletic Department <laughs> has a lot on its plate right now, and uh, we'll just see if they can manage it all in a, in a halfway decent manner to try and uh, patch it all together. But that will do it for us. For Derek Young, I am Mason Vo. Thank you for watching and listening to K-State